Okay, we're in a series about showing the love of God. There it is. Show the love of God. That has to do with our vision as a church, all right, and why we exist. And part of this, guys, is having a heart of compassion, all right? One of the things that I encouraged you guys as a church uh, before leaving to that Israel trip, I gave you a little card, all right, for you guys to put the names of 10 people that we were going to be praying for, each of us. Okay, praying for 10 people that we're going to invite them here on Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Now, I don't know how is it going. Have you guys filled out your little card and are you guys praying for people? Anybody praying for somebody? All right, man, if each of us, okay, I put for you guys to fill in for 10 names. And at the end, out there in the information center, you could get one of those little cards. It's called 10 people I want God to bless. Okay, I want God to bless 10 people that don't know about him. And I'm going to get them here. I'm going to invite them here. But before I invite them, okay, I want to be praying for them. Because I want to make sure that when they walk through those doors, man, they have a Holy Spirit encounter that day. I want to make sure that I've prepared in prayer and saying, Lord, just touch, you know, so and so. And that that day they come open and hungry for you. And especially on that week, because Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, even usually people that don't go to church will go to church on that day. All right, so if you have not gotten those cards, you make sure you go out there, you get one, and you start praying for 10 people. And in two weeks, I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to tell you, okay, guys, this is the week where you invite those people. All right, make sure you give them an invite already for that weekend, and we're going to, you know, we're going to be waiting that day for great things to happen. But all that comes from a heart of compassion. Compassion. Can you say with me, compassion? Okay. Compassion for the condition that people find themselves in, okay? There's so many people going through so many things right now. I'm going to tell you something this morning. It's not hard to be an instrument of God, okay, in His hands in the times that we're living. Because, boy, people need encouragement. People need hope. People need a hug. People need an embrace. People are going through a lot of stuff, and maybe you're one of those people in that way you're here today. You're in the right place. God wants to uplift you. He wants to inspire faith to you today. But God wants to use us, okay, in a mighty way. And the, and the title of today's message are instruments, okay? His instruments. We are instruments of His love. We are instruments of His love. When I got back from Israel, I had the news that uh, a young man that congregated in this church when he was a little kid. He was, I, I knew him from like five, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way till he was a teenager and I was a youth pastor. And he used to be part of my youth ministry. And uh, getting back from Israel, I get the news that his mom had come here to see the possibilities of holding a memorial service for him here because he passed away in an accident. Twenty eight years old, okay, a life ahead of him, had just recorded a, his first music album, all right, and he dies in a tragic death, ran over by a truck, all right, I knew this kid, man, I knew him when he was five years old, I knew him all the way to maybe 14, 15, and then I stopped seeing him for a while. And now the next news I get is his mom to see if we could have a memorial service for him here. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart to have to speak to that mom on Thursday 
and his sister and cousins that were here just weeping. It's like he left the house. He didn't come back. I was like, Lord, that morning I got up. I'm like, Lord, please just use me as an instrument of your love because those people are going to need it. Even if I don't know what to say. Have you ever been in a situation that you don't even know what to say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't practice for this, you know, because I'm the pastor. It's like, oh, he has the right words. No. <laughs> in those moments, it's like, come on, man, just give me a hug. You want to cry? You want to dirty my shirt? Let's do it. Because sometimes we get in situations that there's no perfect words. It's just your presence. It's just you being an instrument of his love. So people are needing compassion all around us. Okay, all around us, people need, need, need hope. And I want you to go, come with me to Isaiah 58, verse 10. Isaiah 58, verse 10. And this is a beautiful verse that I found. And it says, I'm going to read uh, an IV here. And it says, and if you spend yourselves... In behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. If you do what, guys? If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and you satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that we are a city upon a hill. That we are what, guys? We are light in the middle of darkness. It says, then your light will rise in the darkness. But then I love this part here. And it says, and your night will become like the noonday. Your night will become like the noonday when you're a person that is spending yourself on behalf of the poor and is satisfying the needs of the oppressed. Your night will become like noonday. You know what that means? What that means is that when you go through the valley of the shadow of death in your hardest times, even in the midst of that, His light will be shining on you. And His presence will be with you. And what is darkness to others, you're still in the middle of the light. And you're still being blessed by God. Because God is seeing the way that we're acting towards others. The way that we're behaving towards others in the midst of their needs, in the midst of their situations. An amazing promise. Now, I want to tell you guys something this morning. We're talking in this series all right, about showing the love of God. And in this message, we're saying that we're instruments of His love. Let me tell you something, guys. God's love is tangible. God's love is tangible. It needs to be lived out. Okay, it needs to be lived out. We need to live it out. We just can't come to a hungry person and say, oh, let me pray for you. No, if they're hungry, man, fill their belly. That's what Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus would multiply, you know, fish and bread, you know, preach to them and fill their belly. I'm like, those guys are following him, man. Multitudes are coming after him because he's meeting their physical need. Love needs to be tangible. It needs to be real. It needs to be seen. It can't just remain in words. Actually, the Bible says, okay, that God loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son. He didn't just say, oh, I love you, world. I love you, my children. 
No, the Bible says that the Word became flesh. And He lived among us to show the glory of the one and only God, the Word. God's Word, His promises, love became flesh. Well, you know how His Word becomes flesh today? Through us. You and I are those instruments of God's Word becoming flesh, of His love becoming flesh, becoming real. Look at what the book of Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says. I love this verse. Acts 10.38 And it says this, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. What was Jesus doing? Going around doing good and healing all those that were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Why was Jesus healing the oppressed and the sick and all that? Because God was with him. You want to see God's heart? You look at Jesus. What he did. How he acted. His love in action. Now, this was not just for him. In John chapter 20, verse 21, now Jesus speaking, he says this, and again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What a powerful verse. The same way that the Father sent me because he loved the world, that's the way I'm sending you. So what are we guys? We are instruments. Can we say that? We are instruments of his love. Can we say it? We are instruments of his love. The same way the Father sent Jesus, the same way Jesus sends us out. Now, the question that we want to answer with today's teaching, and now we're going to go into the heart of the matter here, is who do we need to show the love of God to? Okay, pastor, I understand. I got to do it. I'm his instrument. God wants to use me now because Jesus is in heaven. And I'm here on earth, so I need to be that light. Who do I show his love to? Well, I want you guys to write these three things down. Number one, okay? Number one, we need to show the love of God above all to the lost. We need to show the love of God above all to the lost. And you're here this morning, okay? And you ask him, Pastor, who are the lost? Well, the lost are those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, when I'm talking about knowing, because everybody knows Jesus Christ, all right? Actually, I was, you know, most famous person to ever walk on earth. I Googled it, Jesus Christ. Everybody knows Jesus Christ. There's not a person that you'll talk to, at least in the United States, maybe in a tribe over there, you know, in the middle of the Amazon or something. There's people that still have not heard about Jesus. But in the United States, you talk to somebody about Jesus. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who Jesus is. But that's not the knowing that I'm talking about. You see, you can know somebody intellectually. You can know somebody by tradition, but you don't know them. I mean, I know D. Wade. I watch the Heat games. 
You know what I'm saying? I know LeBron. You know, I know all these guys. Do they know me? Heck no. I've never sat down with them. I've never talked to them. You can know people intellectually, but not know them. And I believe a lot of people know God and know Jesus the same way. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. No, do you trust in Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Him? Do you have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ? Those are the lost. And something very important, and and I wrote this here because I didn't want to make sure that that I would forget about, is not only receiving Him, guys, very important, as Savior, but recognizing His Lordship. Jesus is Lord. Can you say that with me? Jesus is Lord. Can we say that again? Jesus is Lord. Okay, in the Bible, the apostles were preaching. And when the apostles would preach, okay, in the book of Acts, they would say, Jesus is Lord. And the people had a decision to make. Here we go. Why did they have a decision to make? Because if you lived in the Roman, Greco world at that moment, Caesar was Lord. The Caesar was Lord. He was the king. Okay? And if you would say that somebody else was Lord, okay, guys, that meant your head was you were dead you had to hail caesar you had to say caesar is lord he is the one that supplies for me he's the one that takes care of me takes care of me and the apostles are preaching oh go, hold on a second caesar's not lord jesus is lord and the people had to make a decision at that moment and say okay jesus is lord and if they said jesus is lord okay There's a warrant out for them. Now that I was in Israel, one of the most amazing places that I visited is a place I had never visited. It was the highlight of my trip. I, if I went for something personally, other than, you know, the whole group thing and everything, if I went for something personally, it was this. And it was finding, okay, the guide took me to this place where they just uncovered this. You know, it's not a popular tourist site. Not even people think that that place exists. But this tourist guide, he goes, you know that there's a YouTube video that they filmed that they think they found where the first church actually met. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, the first church where the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost, where James, the brother of Jesus, he was the, the main pastor there, you know, where Peter and John were sent out from. I'm like, we got to find this. Where is it? So he takes me to this place. You know, I have this adventurous, you know, you guys know I wanted to be an archaeologist and all this stuff. So I'm like, man, we're out there. We're going. And we go to this place. And it's locked. It's, it's like little... Okay, it looked like a little prison, like just bars with a little roof and it's locked. And I'm like, oh, great. And I see these stairs going down, but stairs, I mean, like made of rock. All right. And I'm standing there. Some guy pops out of nowhere. And he's speaking to me in some weird language. And I answer back in English. And I'm like, what did you say? And he goes, do you want me to open for you? Like, you got the key for this? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll open for you. I'm like... (laughs) Start opening. And he opens this thing and I go in there. Guys, and I want to tell you something. If I felt the presence of God somewhere in the Holy Land, it's always been in the garden tomb where Jesus resurrected. It's one of the places that you just feel his peace. You feel his presence there. 
second other place that I felt that thing the strongest was in that little cave that I was in. And I'm like, could it be possible that this is where the first church actually met? And I'm standing here almost 2,000, I don't know how many years later. And he goes, and, and there was a tunnel. And I'm like, what is that? And he goes, well, if you go in, there's really dark. And I'm like, I'm turning on the flashlight of my phone. I'm going in there, man. I go in there and I'm like, what is this? It was like a, a round cave, like about this size here and like as high, okay, as where that pyramid is. I'm like, what is that? He goes, well, we're thinking that that was like an escape hatch. Because when they were worshiping here and the Romans would come, or the first Jews that were coming to take them, to torture them, they would run through that hole in that cave and then go up that escape hatch and come out like half a block away from where they were. These guys were running for their lives on a daily basis to worship the Lord Jesus. Because they professed Him as Lord. The first people, guys, that we need to show the love of God to is who? It's the lost. It's the ones that don't know Him yet. And I want to tell you something. We need to have a burden in our heart for the lost, guys. We need to have a burden in our hearts for the lost. I don't know if you, okay, were ever at a point in your life when you didn't know Christ. Maybe you were born in a pew, okay, or in a church. My kids, okay, they, this is all they've known. But I wasn't born in here. And there was a moment that I was lost and there was a moment that I was desperate and there was a moment that I did not know God. And we have to continue having a burden for those that are lost because the Father is looking for His lost children and He wants to use us as an instrument to reach them out. Having a burden for them. And I remember when I gave my life to God, the first people that I was concerned about. But I mean, this is like, it was my family. I'm like, man, I know Jesus. I know that the way to heaven is through Jesus. My family doesn't know that. How do I get my family saved? How do I get them to know Jesus? My friends, the guys that were on the basketball team with me, that we were going out now, you know, we were graduating and we're playing in different parks and stuff. How do I get these guys to know God the way that I know Him? Because if they don't know Him this way, they're not going to spend eternity with God. And there was this passion in me just to talk to whoever. I would be on the Miami City bus because I didn't have a car back then. I was broker than broke, alright? And when I had to catch the bus, the first person I was, the first thing I was thinking about, who's going to sit next to me on that bus bench to wait for the bus? And if you're in Miami, that bus is taking like about an hour for it to come. So that person's going to be there next to me for like about an hour. I'm going to have the opportunity to talk to them. And when I go inside the bus, who am I going to be able to talk to then? And at work, and it was just something constant. But there comes to a play, a moment in your life that we become complacent with knowing God. Especially when you're a pastor. What happens? That my surroundings day to day is with people that already know the Lord. My surrounding is with safe. I mean, I come here to work. So I'm not going to preach to somebody that could probably preach to me because they've been saved longer than I have, you know. But when you're out there, we need to have a burden for the lost. The ones that do not know Christ. You see, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 11. 
says this, and then I'm going to read verse 13 and 15. Are you guys catching this that I'm telling you? Man, I'm praying the Holy Spirit is just watering this seed that I'm launching here today. Romans 10, verse 8 through 11, and then verse 13 and 15, it says this, the Apostle Paul, he says, in fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and your heart. What message? The message of salvation. And that message is the very message about faith, the faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And then verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. This week has been very interesting. I was driving here to, to, to drop off the kids to school and my wife calls me. And she goes, babe, there's uh, this family that is coming to church. And uh, uh, the gentleman's dad, uh, he had a massive heart attack like at 4 o'clock in the morning. And they took him to the hospital. And they want to see if he could go out there and pray with him. Because he has never received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. They're telling him that he won't pass today. Today's his last day here. They want to see if you could go and share the message of the gospel while he's there in the bed. Because the family is scared that he will spend eternity in hell. My wife said that I get in a bad mood when I'm hungry. When I drove here to drop off the kids, I hadn't had breakfast yet. So I'm like, hmm. Do I go and have breakfast and let these minutes slip away where this guy's life is hanging in the balance or do I put myself second and just forget about whatever it is and just go to this place and pray with this man when I walk into that hospital room I see you the whole family's there people are crying they're weeping this man is gasping for air like <sighs> with the oxygen mask I know literally he has minutes. I've been in a situation like that before. And his son is like, pastor. He's like, get the pastor in, get the pastor in. Guys, get out, get the pastor in. They don't know me. But I'm getting the first place to get next to the guy. And people are leaving the room so that I could be with him there for a few minutes to talk to him before he goes and meets God. Talk about a place of honor. So I'm there whispering to this man. And like, I know that you don't know who I am. And that does not matter right now. 
what matters is, is that you will know the person that I'm going to speak to you about. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if today, right there where you're at in this condition, you open your heart to Jesus, doesn't matter what you've done in your past, but if you open your heart to Jesus at this very moment, the Bible says that your sins will be forgiven and you become a son of God right now in that bed where you are, would you like to make this prayer with me? And that guy just takes off that oxygen mask and goes like that and puts it back on. And I led him to Christ at that very moment. But you're not going to believe what happened. This guy in the last three days has come out of the condition that he's been in. And his family says that after that pastor visited that room, that whole atmosphere changed. It's not me. It's the message. The guy's going home tomorrow, guys. The guy's going home tomorrow. Today, I have about 12 of his family members coming to the noon service because they don't know how God did what he did. They're amazed they're coming into this place today. You see, we're instruments of his love. And God uses us to make a difference. But number one, you know what? A burden for the lost, the ones that don't know him. And we need to reconcile this thought in our heads, guys. Very important because we might miss this. Because a lot of us, even in the midst of all this, we, we've gotten confused. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, what I mean by that is that a lot of times, look over here, especially when it's a family member, somebody that is close to us, we know that person has not received Jesus and we're like all oh, like, and that person might be in a situation like this man was about to pass away. And you're like, oh, well, but he was good. And maybe God will have mercy on him. And, and, and maybe God will bypass everything that you know <laughs> just to make a space for him. And, and I got news for you. We need to reconcile our theology and our mind and understand that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not by good works. It's not because you love him and you want him to go to heaven. It's Jesus. And we need to get out there with that message because at the end of the day, it's not, oh, is that I want him to be there? No. Did he know him? Did you know Christ? That at one moment or another, he invited him into his heart. You see, this is amazing. But in Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, it says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice. Here we go. By the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. There's a time of judgment coming. And that judgment comes only through one man. The man he raised from the dead. And he showed through him that it was him he had appointed. And I know I might be stepping on some toes with what I'm saying. Especially, you know, when you come 
from a Catholic background like I do. You know, in the Catholic faith, there's many mediators to God. Like, let's pray to Mary, because Mary's his mom, you know? So you get a hookup with Mary, you know, she'll talk to Jesus, and Jesus will, like, talk to the Father, and you sort of, like, hook up things like that way in heaven. You know, have you ever heard about that? You know, some people love Mary. And Mary was indeed an amazing woman. But Mary ain't doing no favors for you or me in heaven. It's very important that you understand that the Bible says that there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He's the only mediator. You see, back in my day, growing up at home, we had Santa Barbara, and we had San Lazaro, and we had a bunch of people. I mean, we had an apartment for two, and it was three, but in reality, we were like six. You know? San Lazaro had a bigger space sometimes than I did, man. I was like, what's up with this guy? I've told you my stories. My dad would put, you know, money on San Lazaro. I need to catch the bus. I'm like, let me see what San Lazaro has over here today, man. <laughs> I need to get my 70 cents to get my right to work, man. I'm like, San Lazaro, we'll take, a, we'll take care of that later. <laughs> like, give me that thing. San Lazaro had bananas. He had apples. And Santa Barbara had apples. My mom, the best apples for Santa Barbara. Like, man, that apple's looking good. Why is that statue with that apple, man? I'm saying it in a funny way, but that's our tradition. And we think that all these guys are doing us favors in heaven. And that if somebody's going to die, you know, if I talk to San Lazaro or I talk to Santa Barbara and this and that, maybe they do a hookup. No, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And we are his instruments to bring some correction and to say things the way they are but with love and compassion because people are being lost daily. Jesus said it like this, guys. In Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man came to do what? To seek and save those who are lost. And you're here this morning. I'm not closing, but taking the opportunity. And you have never openly, okay, openly invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior through a confession of faith like we just read about. I want to give you that opportunity today. Because the Bible says, the reality is, guys, the Bible says that tomorrow is promised to no one. Did you see some crazy guy? Australian that walked into a mosque in New Zealand. Did you see that? They started shooting everybody that was there. People ask me, Pastor, why do you have a cop outside so that crazy people like that don't walk in here? Because if they walk, if they drive into the driveway and think, and they see a cop car, they're going to think twice about something like that. But tomorrow's promise to nobody. And Jesus is the way to the Father. He already paid the way. And all you and I need to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my way of being, from my way of doing things. And if you're here and you find yourself in the condition that I found myself in, because I was like, Lord, all right, I know you're, you're the way, but I'm messed up. So I want to fix a couple of things in my life before I come to you, because I know you're holy. And I'm not. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't fix yourself up. 
The good news is that Jesus will take you the way you are. And He will fix you up. But you can't fix yourself up. And I'm here preaching to you, okay? Not because I'm holier than you. I'm here preaching to you because one day I said, okay, Lord, here I am. With all my baggage, here's all my stuff. God, here you go, deal with me. And little by little through the years, and He's still dealing with me. Talk to my wife about it. <laughs> He's still dealing with me, guys. So I want to make an honest question. Okay, we're in church. Nobody's putting a gun to your head or nothing, but we're in church. And the question is, are you totally convinced in your heart? Do you have a conviction in your heart that you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior? Because I want to make sure that if you came to this church, you heard the message loud and clear. And you had the opportunity to invite Jesus in. So if that, you're here and you're like, man, I'm not too sure. I'm not sure because my life, I'm still doing my thing. And I'm not talking about struggles that we have. Because we know, we know. If we've surrendered, we know if we're, you know what, Lord? My thought was, I was 18, had all this life ahead of me. This is what I thought. I'll do it when I'm like 70. Because if I receive Jesus now in my heart, He's going to mess me up, man. Take, go to church on Sundays, no more partying, no more girls, no more this. Like when I'm 70, oh man, I don't want to go to hell. So I'll take care of that business then. But leave me alone now. But boy, I was afraid of dying, I'll tell you that. I was afraid of dying. And there were days hanging with my boys that life would just in front of my face. Like, ah, today's a close one. I want you to be sure. If you're not sure, I would like to pray for you. Can you raise your hand right there where you're at? No lights off, no closing eyes. We do that sometimes, most of the time. But today, I'm a little bit up in your face because you know what? The first people that need God's love are the lost. He wants to pour His love on you like you have no idea. But your life will change forever. Anybody here this morning? Just making sure. Most of your faces, 98% of your faces I know. Just in case. All right. Just write this down. This is for my mind's peace sake. That I was like, oh, we're going to teach three things. And in reality, I just taught one. All right. But I'm just going to give you the other two and find some Bible verses that go with it. All right. <laughs> I just feel God's presence, man. You close your eyes a second. Milton, I'm struggling with my sermon and with what God wants to do. Close your eyes.